You could go back anytime. Why is he asking for permission? It's his own song. He can go back to the bridge if he wants to. Which bridge you want to go to? I don't know. London Bridge. Oh no, maybe not. No, that one's falling down. London Bridge, we're going down, down, down. London, London, London. We're going down like London, London, London. We're going down like I know you gotta be tired after eating this mask. Imagine how Thor feels in the actual helmet if I'm complaining about a plastic mask. What must it be like? Oh my gosh. That was insane. The kids were really cute. And really they were very funny. well behaved. We just finally got them to sing karaoke at the end. Oh, those aren't kids. I mean, the little kids. The little kids. They're the ones that don't hold back. The review from the US is in on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes? So we're going to check this out. We're going to peruse this review. Are we're going to sure? investigate Are sure and thing? see what's going on with this review from the US. Are My last sure? video was about France. Let's check in on the US of A and see what's going on there. So let's check it out as we are here on Rotten Tomatoes. Nothing official there yet, but one review has made it through. One review from Joshua Rothkopf. He has put his review through. He's a top critic. But again, you know how I feel about the top critics or any critics. I, don't I think they're know all bums. But actually. we're just going to check through I his don't review know at all. and just see what he has to say about the film. This is very interesting. It's from Time Out in New York. He gave it three out of five stars. And it says, Brie Larson isn't given enough to do in a Marvel movie that marinates in 90s nostalgia, but doesn't quite rise to the occasion of its own significance. So we say it is lacking significance, bathed in nostalgia. Ooh, and Brie isn't given enough to do. Okay, let's check it out. She's Superheroes save the world the on a regular basis, mean? but their movies aren't nearly as courageous. For every ingenious Black Panther that departs from their billion dollar formula, you get 10 timid time wasters. Time wasters. Captain Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first female-led installment, means a lot symbolically, especially to young girls who resonate with Gal Gadot's confident portrayal of Wonder Woman. Yes, it was a confident portrayal. Lots of people resonate with that character. Men, women, boys, girls, even all. Alright, we're gonna do like five seconds of everybody and see what people have to say. Uh, next, we're gonna go get Daddy's belt with Ethan. Hi, Ethan. Rotten Tomatoes got very scared. They got very tipsy last week. A oh, week ago, they took down uh, that want to see score because Captain Marvel had been driven down to 27%. Imagine that. 27% want to see Captain Marvel. That's not enough. So uh, there were there were people who actually... Don't... Listen, that's just who admits they want to see it. I think maybe a lot more people actually want to see it, but they're not going to tell anybody. We went through and, and clicked, and I don't want to see, see this movie. Why? What happened? They're registering protests for a film that insulted their intelligence. It insulted the fact that they are male. Uh, it insulted the fact uh, that they might have, um, might be white. They might be white people. They might be white males. 
After all, Brie Larson is out there saying some pretty weird things, some pretty weird and, and racist things, uh, looking over the press pool and deciding there are too many white men there and not Can't enough of everything away, else or anything else. And so she made an issue out of it, which was, I think, in my opinion, uh, probably a PR mistake. Probably a PR mistake for Disney that's going to cost them big. This coming weekend, when Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel comes out with an investment of $170 million uh, in production and another probably $150 to $160 million in press and marketing, uh, it needs to make it needs to make about $580 million worldwide just to break even. We'll see how it goes. Um, but their opening weekend projection is uh, used to be $180 million, and now they're just hoping, they're hoping against hope that this film kind of scrapes together $80 million in its opening weekend. I'll be surprised if it does. Now, uh, everyone is concerned. How much power does the fandom menace have? Well, we've got some. I mean, you know, there's... He's saying fandom menace, not phantom menace. I hope you guys can know the difference because God knows we don't want no more phantom menace. Rumor right now that, uh, according to Tim Pool, I think he just spread this rumor. I saw this video. It was pretty great. Uh, Tim Tim Pool found out, uh, this might or might not be true, um, that the MCU, uh, oh, the Kevin yeah. Feige, is actually shooting two different endings um, for the next Avengers movie, Endgame. Well, I mean, there's one ending in which... Choose Cap- your own adventure at the Avengers. That's Marvel fun. is triumphant, and she... Which version did you see? The one that didn't suck. Okay. Knocks out Thanos, and I don't know. It's it's very Captain Marvel. You better go see it again to see the ending I saw. Okay. Well, centric. We don't know what the ending's going to be. But there's okay. also an alternate ending in which Captain America... And Black Widow saved the day, and that ending will be... How are be, you telling it? You know, kind of glued uh, to the movie, uh, edited in, and the Captain Marvel ending will be edited out. Should this movie bomb as badly as it's it's looking like it might? Of course, the fandom menace, of course, we have all of the power. We have all of... We have the power! Oh, no. Let power me because up. we're the ones who are either going to go to the movies... Or not, and these people have been able to scoff at us. These SJWs have been able to kind of say, "Ah, you don't matter. This movie's not for you." Well, if it's not for us, then that's fine. We will stay home and we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens. After all, uh, you know, look, a lot of movies, a lot of movies are date night. A lot of movies have to be agreed upon by a couple, right? A, a woman and a man often. <laughs> he said he had the power. Oh no! This is American men! Oh no, the land is clear! Oh no! I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. One more little piece of comic news. One more piece. And uh, we will go in with Ethan again. One more piece. What's going on with the censorship? No matter what's happening, are we being censored? Here we go. Starring Brie Larson, who has decided that she is an activist rather than an actress. And she's out there talking about, uh, I don't know, differentiating between uh, people of color and white males. Uh, the people who are in her press pool, who are allowed to follow her around on her junket, her junkie junket, and talk about uh, and do all the reporting on Captain Marvel. This has, of course, resulted uh, in a backlash from fandom. Uh, they don't like racism. They don't like this kind of uh, sexist bigotry out of Brie Larson. And they have let it be known in any way that they possibly can. Uh, we're talking about it here on YouTube, on Twitter. And there's a website called Rotten Tomatoes, which is a review aggregate, movie review aggregate site uh, that, um, I don't know, lets you know about upcoming movies. 
It's going to collect all the reviews once they come in and average them out so you know whether or not Captain Marvel is bad or just terrible. Uh, and also, there's an opportunity for you guys to say, look, I'm interested in going to see this movie, or click the other box, I'm not interested in going to see this movie. Or there was, there used to be that, that's called the want to see, the want to see feature of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I suppose, they had to deal with this incredibly awful controversy in which Captain Marvel was overrun with people registering their displeasure with Brie Larson's behavior by clicking the don't want to see. I don't want to see Captain Marvel. Terrible, terrible that these people were doing this. Uh, of course, it drove down Captain Marvel's want to see score to 26% before suddenly, Sunday evening, Rotten Tomatoes pulled the plug on the whole thing. Uh, you know, it, look, it probably would have hit 0% eventually. 0% uh, want to see Captain Marvel. The way the votes were coming in, everybody was clicking, I don't want to see uh, Captain Marvel. Rotten Tomatoes suddenly, inexplicably, pulled the plug and then made this uh, great big excuse about how, oh, this is all part of an overhaul. This is an overhaul to Rotten Tomatoes. It has nothing to do Nothing at all to do with Disney. It has nothing to do with Captain Marvel. We were, I'm sure we were just going to do this anyway. And, and that's part of what's happening here. Rotten Tomatoes is now lying, actively lying. This happened last night. Um, Rotten Tomatoes president. We didn't change the site to protect Captain Marvel. Users will no longer be able to leave a review for a movie that hasn't yet hit theaters, among other changes. I don't know what this is right here. Uh, I didn't know people were able to leave a movie review uh, for a movie that hadn't come out yet. Uh, I think the main issue with stake was this want to see feature that allowed people to decide and let other people know whether they were interested uh, in going to see this movie or were not. And this was something that applied all across the board. You could click, I want to see uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, I don't want to see, um, what's, a, what's an awful movie? Um, I don't want to see... Uh, I don't know, any random Transformers movie. I'm sorry, I don't like them. I don't like these Transformers movies. Maybe Bumblebee. Uh, but Transformers, no. Uh, listen, they took it down. They got tired of it. Uh, it was, uh, I think Disney got scared uh, and kind of said, hey, look, you guys, uh, you know, we've had to downgrade our, our opening weekend box office expectations now four times. Uh, let's, let's stop these guys from kind of getting the word out that this movie is uh, unpopular with normal people, with non-SJWs. Uh, now that they've done that, they are denying uh, that it happened. They're denying their motivation for doing this. Uh, and also they're lying about what the issue was. It wasn't about people leaving a review for a movie they hadn't seen. It was about people downvoting the idea, uh, expressing a lack of enthusiasm for going to see the movie on opening weekend. So review site, Rotten, this site here, uh, this is CNET.com. They're going to assist. They're going to assist Rotten Tomatoes in perpetuating the lie. Brie Larson, look at this cheerful. Can you imagine? Sunshine. Sunshine on my shoulder makes me miserable. Oh my god, just bleakness. Blank face, blank of wood. Brie Larson stars as Captain Marvel in the upcoming Marvel movie. The film has received numerous negative comments on Rotten Tomatoes from site users who had not seen it, but referenced Larson's comments about wanting diverse critics. Uh, it's not just that she wanted diverse critics, it's that she uh, wanted fewer white males, she said, which was weird. A review site Rotten Tomatoes is instituting some changes, leading many to believe it's responding to the recent controversy over the site's Captain Marvel page. But Paul Yanover, president of Fandango, which owns the site, told CNET 
that that's not the whole story. It isn't Paul. Uh, in case you were uh, snapped away by Thanos in an Avengers Affinity War and thus missed the recent controversy, here's a recap. Captain Marvel doesn't come out until March 8th. Users were already leaving negative comments about the film on Rotten Tomatoes. A process dubbed review bombing. Uh, many recent comments seem to come from those who are angry at star Brie Larson. Uh, the changes are not simply a reaction to, oh gee, uh, there's so much noise created around certain movies, Yanover said. Uh, yes, some adjustments are aimed at what he calls noise reduction uh, when high profile films such as Captain Marvel or Star Wars movies attract trolls with agendas. By the way, the only trolls with agendas are Disney and these wackadoos right here. Are you kidding me? I mean, thank you for introducing us to the president of Fandango, but this is the president. This is the president of Rotten Tomatoes right here. Uh, yeah, there is an agenda. There is a feminist agenda associated with this movie, and you can see it everywhere you go. You can see these people actively campaigning to make sure that uh, dissenting voices against this movie, people who are saying this movie looks kind of weird. This movie, it seems to have a little bit of, little little nudge of activism behind it. A little SJW, little a SJWism behind this film. Uh, it's a little bit weird, it's a little bit peculiar, and people are now responding to Brie Larson who's out there acting as though she's a politician uh, rather than an actress promoting a popcorn flick. It's a little odd. So this is all this is all a lie. This idea that like you guys you guys close this down uh, for no particular reason. The timing um, you know doesn't really mean anything. It might seem peculiar, but uh, no, there's something to it. This is this is part of a, a long-term site strategy. Uh, that, and that site strategy is to shut people out. Well, I wanted to know, like, um, so you teach kids and the kids and can... Dogs teach dogs. I just took my first class. And special needs. And, and these kids break these boards? Yes, I did Why not believe it. Why don't you break a board in the video? We'll make you break the board. I can't break a board. Yes, you can, because I hesitated. Are you serious? Yes, let me video. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Zizi, listen, how old is he? Just turned seven. Seven years old, breaking boards. Okay, here we go. Out of actually interacting uh, with the films and giving feedback, much needed feedback, believe me, uh, to Hollywood. Larson drew fire in part for telling Marie Claire magazine that she had noticed the critics covering her films were overwhelmingly white male. What can I tell you? Us white dudes, we love superhero movies. We love them. We don't like to be excluded from the opportunity of seeing superhero movies, and we don't like to be told that we don't matter when it comes to the box office receipts of superhero movies. And yet, after that was confirmed by USC study, she said, moving forward, I decided to make sure my press dates were more enclosed then. Uh, she's also spoken out to support underprivileged girls seeing the film. That's Wow, this is something else. Actually, what she's doing is she's advocating box office or charities uh, called the Captain Marvel Challenge. Charities in quotes uh, that were set up kind of in a very suspicious way. They're all they all seem to be grassroots, um, uh, but they're all connected at the heart. And what they are is they're collecting eighteen dollars. Uh, they're collecting money um, to send um, uh, underprivileged, starving, hungry, uh, impoverished girls to see Captain Marvel at full ticket price. They're actually collecting money. Disney couldn't just get it together enough to donate the money to send underprivileged girls to see Captain Marvel for free, if that's so important. No, these charities are literally box office uh, uh, grossing. They're, they're, they're collecting money for Captain Marvel's box office. This money, uh, which is given out of the kindness of people's heart, people who are uh, a little confused about what they're doing, I would say, uh, is going straight into Disney's box office. And the girls, the underprivileged girls, quote unquote, are just a means to an end. 
Uh, and that is kind of odd. That is kind of suspicious. And then you've got Brie Larson out there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, out on TV talking about promoting the Captain Marvel Challenge charities that collect money to send underprivileged girls to go see Captain Marvel for free, even though uh, all of that money uh, buys tickets at full box office price that goes straight over to Disney. You've got her talking about how, yeah, these underprivileged girls, what they really need to do is see a real uh, a real powerful woman like myself. That's going to change everything for them. Not a sandwich, not clothes, not shoes, not a better education, not medicine, anything like that. They need a two-hour movie, a two-and-a-half-hour movie starring me. They need to look at me for a little while. Uh, listen, Brie Larson is a profoundly strange human being. I think that's been established throughout this movie. She is very, very weird, kind of hostile, kind of odd, and people want to register uh, somewhere. They just want to let people know somewhere uh, that they're not happy with her behavior. Look at her. Yeah, girls should come see me. Yeah, this is what we want. We want a lot of poor kids with this look on their face watching Brie Larson, this woman here, punching 80-year-old women on the subway. That's really what we need to, uh, to collect money for. We need kids to see that in a dark room uh, while they have empty bellies. Rotten Tomatoes here is lying. Rotten Tomatoes is now part of some weird uh, Disney conspiracy. And th th there's nothing new about this. Disney does this all the time. Back in 2017, Disney ordered a blacklisting against the Los Angeles Times because they didn't like uh, they didn't like the coverage of, of uh, what they were saying about Disney. And so they actually actively leaned on and pressured a news outlet, a media outlet, to make them change their whole attitude. You don't think that's what's going on right here? Of course it is. Fortunately, the people rose up and pressured Disney, and Disney backed down. Uh, they had to. I mean, you know... This, this is becoming a monopoly that is way too powerful. Uh, they have, not only are they, are they leaning towards social justice at this point and filling their movies with all kinds of weirdo, wacko, far left progressive agenda, uh, but they're also bullying the media. And this has to stop. There's a precedent for this. It's happened. It's happening right now. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, is actually complying. They're compliant uh, to Disney. They are, removing, uh, they are removing the opportunity for us, the fans, um, to actually let Disney know that we don't like any of this, that we don't like how this is going. In response, Rotten Tomatoes does exactly what they say. They take down the want-to-see aspect of their site, the interactive opportunity for fans to tell movie producers and Hollywood that they're not interested in this, that they're not happy about the way this movie is going. Uh, they only care, Hollywood, Disney, only cares about their bottom line. They only care about having a big opening weekend, and they know the big opening weekend is vital because probably the second weekend isn't going to do so good. Not after word gets out that this movie has very little to do with Avengers Endgame. Uh, you don't need to see this movie in order to see the next Avengers movie. Uh, that deception is what is keeping them hopeful uh, that people are going to feel uh, forced. Uh, you know, they're going to feel coerced to see this movie in the box office next weekend. Um, they don't need to. They don't need to. So this is a first week Really, they got to hit it hard in the first week. Now, Rotten Tomatoes is now uh, complying to them and then lying to us about it. We didn't do it because of Captain Marvel. Well, that's weird. That's weird. The timing was odd. You couldn't have waited another couple of weeks before you made this drastic change. You yanked it in the middle of the night without warning uh, on Sunday. And here you are two days later after incredible response from people uh, complaining, people shocked that you would do this, that you would sell your credibility to Disney uh, the way that you did. Lying about it. Lying about it. Uh, good for you. Uh, look, we're all keeping our eye on you. I mean, our voices uh, will be heard on social media. Our voices, we still talk to each other. We've got YouTube. We've got Twitter. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes was really nice, but uh, if you're part of the conversation now, that's your fault. You've made yourself part of the conversation. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, let me know what you think about this video in the comments below. Please, get, uh, I read them all. I read all your comments, uh, and I respond usually to direct questions at me. So if you want to, if you have a question for me, I'll probably answer it. Also, please uh, subscribe. R you know, ring the bell for notifications. Check and make sure you're still subscribed. YouTube is randomly unsubscribing people. Uh, it's part of the algorithm, I hope. Uh, just a mistake. But just make sure you're still subscribed. Ring that bell for notifications. And please like this video and share it. Thank you very much, guys. Glad to have you uh, in, in the family here as part of the family. As we continue to watch this weird phenomenon with Disney. Uh, first it was Star Wars. And now it's Captain Marvel. Well, there was Ghostbusters 2016 uh, you know, before that. But we're going to watch... Uh, them maybe uh, maybe we're all going to learn the same lesson again together. Uh, I don't know if it's going to take or not, but we'll uh, we will we will watch it together. We'll I'll keep track of it here at Comic Artist Pro Secrets for you. Thanks everybody. Bye. Hey, I got a PO box. Want to send me some mail? Send it to Ethan Van Skyver, PO Box 607, Marlton, New Jersey 08053, and I'll probably open it up on the live stream. Thanks very much, everyone. Hey, you want to follow me on Twitter? Are you sure? Well, if so, I'm at Ethan Van Skyver. That's at Ethan Van Skyver. See you there. Join the Fandom Menace and execute your own Order 66 with our incredible line of t-shirts. Soylo, a Soy Wars story. Tico, a Soy Wars story. And our brand new smoking hot Soy Wars Plan 9. Make a statement today. This is the only trilogy you'll ever need. The link is below in the description. If you enjoyed this video and want to become part of this community, subscribe to this channel by clicking the Laughing Man Face logo right on your screen. Ring the bell for notifications as well. You'll never miss a live chat. And stay tuned, another video by Comic Artist Pro Secrets is coming right up. But Everywhere was invented by a kid named Taki, who lived on 183rd Street in Washington Heights. What? Taki 183. As soon as everybody is understood that, that it was a name, they realized that Taki was famous. Rock, 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 rock the bells. Radio, oh, oh, radio, oh, oh, oh. radio, radio, radio. The graffiti, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Don't pretend like you got acid reflux, because it really will make you nauseous. That's not funny. Oh my God, my stomach hurts. All right, we're going in on, uh, we're going in with Comic Artist Pro Secrets, Ethan. Here we go, Ethan. Go ahead. Oh, no. Not yet. <laughs> it's not time. Now it's time. Oh, no. And I have no volume on there. I don't know what's going on. Where is my volume? How can they do this to me? Video this morning. So, uh, go check out that one. Uh, no, that's not it. Here we go. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome oh, to Comic Artist Pro go. Secrets. My name is Ethan Van Skyver. I am a comic book artist. I have been for 25 years. Uh, I am the illustrator of Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, a book that sold a million plus copies and has changed trillions 
literally trillions of lives uh, at this point, for the better. Really? Uh, I am the creator of Cyberfrog Blood Honey, the smash hit Indiegogo campaign. It's going on right now. If you'd like to back that campaign by buying a copy of Cyberfrog Blood Honey in a beautiful chromium copy. If you care about comic books, now is the time to throw your heart, your emotion. If you learned how to read from comic books, if, if, you know, having comic books kept you reading, now is the time that we got to, like, stand up and, like, do an intervention. Because I, I don't think comic book lovers are the ones that are being given um, the power to shape the maintenance and the destiny of comics. They don't love it like we do. They don't love the characters. They don't love the art. They don't, they, they're not dedicated to the same, to, to, what, to what we grew up on, to what we got. So if we're going to save this, you know, for the next generation, because I'm telling you, do you know what I realized? How much um, standards and morality can be taught in comic books instead of like corny TV shows and corny movies that have like that kind of teach you a lesson thing. You learn more lessons from the X-Men and the Avengers in terms of like, nah, this is real, dude. This is, it's like your first dose of real life like you're a kid you don't know what it's like to be a grown-up or to be a, a grown man or whatever and when you see the weight that you know some of these characters have the, the problems and in, in the, the multi-level of complications that they deal with in trying to still maintain their integrity and still fight for their lives and still make a living and still have relationships. It's a very good introduction to kids of like, this is, you know, it's, it's obviously comic books are not real, but it's using the power of myth and storytelling to show them early on. No, this is, this is what can happen. You know, unexpected things like, you know, somebody mysterious falling out of the sky and you got a term paper due and, you know, your girlfriend's not understanding you or whatever Spider-Man goes through. It's giving them a dose of being able to juggle and handle all these different things. And it's in it the 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 danger and the uh, drama that is depicted in the artwork is kind of giving them that um, the high stakes where there's an element of danger. Like if I don't do this, you know, the universe is not going to be saved, but really it's your own little universe, you know, and um, really characters like um, Peter Parker, um, Deadpool came later on, but characters like this, that can go through really traumatic things and then still keep their uh, their sense of humor and still get up to fight again. The, the, some of the, the stuff that, uh, you know, uh, the Avengers have gone through, they didn't really tell that, that Ultron story and they're not really, they kind of got Scarlet Witch like, ooh, she's hot redhead. When I was growing up and I was reading those story of West Coast Avengers 
and really seeing all those pressures um, that Wanda had on her with um, supporting Vision through, you know, all that kind of stuff, worrying about whether Ultron was going to come back, still trying to be a professional and be, you know, to, for her to be on the Avengers and yet still be a mutant and have, you know, allegiances to the mutant community and then who her family was being related to Magneto and then her her brother and that oh, that whole thing. It just really kind of shows it's a it's a wonderful lens that I could see. And she she became a mother and she did all these kind of things. And it was very, very um, it was very all of them, you know, have their different travails or whatever. Did she become a mother? No, I'm thinking of I'm sorry, I'm thinking of uh, Quicksilver, actually, her brother um, having a child and then having a child with somebody that's of a different race that was inhuman, right? And then they had Luna and Luna had, you know, whatever issues she had from her combination of, of what their blended families were. Like these are very um, interesting ways for us to have debate through storytelling. You had Professor X and you had uh, Magneto representing probably the Martin Luther King and the uh, Malcolm X ideologies in a very different kind of way. But really, if you're a kid and, and you didn't live during civil rights and you don't know what's going on, for you to be able to read the trial of Magneto and um, really just see the attitude of why Professor X is always like, you know, no, we got to come back and we got to protect these people that act like they hate us and passing laws to limit us and all this stuff. How do we maintain our integrity and who we're supposed to be and everything? It really helped I think a whole generation of young people understand all these things that are going on without telling us what to think. Would I applaud the Chris Claremonts and those early writers, um, the John Burns, all these, all these early writers and artists that they gave us these worlds with these real situations and stuff that happened, but it didn't seem like they were telling us how to think. And that is the difference with the storytelling and what we're seeing now after the movies take from the comics. They're kind of telling us how to feel about these characters. What conclusion should come after we see them do such and such and such? And that really is taking over the job the job of the audience because it's the audience's job to apply their imagination and fill in the blanks. Uh, oh, if this is me, or at, there should be such seamless storytelling that they actually enter in and they think it's them. And they're like, well, mm, what would I do? Oh man. Oh, she did that. Oh, oh, I'm in this. I should do this. You know, it's not telling people what to do. It's showing them when you're presented with options, there's this, 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 and this. And even if the character chooses the worst possible option, that 
is a teachable moment, a learning experience because you're like, oh, snap, this character, Hawkeye keeps mess, you know, he keeps doing the wrong thing. He thinks he's going to get his ex-wife back and he keeps doing this. And it's, it's stuff like that. Oh, Tony Stark. Okay, so if I tone it down a little bit, maybe I can get this done. Or, you know, it's teaching us lessons by showing us sometimes even the mistakes that the characters, it's a safe way to show what happens when people make mistakes and how they get back on and how they get back in the game and how they maintain the strength to fight. That's what comic books are about and I feel like so many people do not respect it they do not respect it in the way that they should be respecting it because they think that oh these are this is a cartoon this is a cartoon this is just a story you know and they don't understand that you know it doesn't matter in what format what medium that these stories are told, you know, whether it's from the on the comic book page, digital or on the movie screen, this is us. This is human beings. And if you're just going to tell people who to be and not show characters really exploring all the options and the decisions and the, that is what we're looking at it for. That is the value in it. And somehow, during this kind of transition into changing the bottom line to being about just making money, you know, I think you had a lot of greedy people say, salivating over, oh, they love these characters. Oh, they identify. Let's just let's just take these characters and we'll just make any old story. We'll just put any old person in. Oh, somebody actually said, oh, we'll just put this person in the role because they're physically fit. I mean, really? Are you serious? That means that all those early roles that that Arnold Schwarzenegger did, you think you could have just put any old bodybuilder in those roles and you think you would have had the same result. And I'm going to tell you right now because I've been watching the Schwarzenegger movies. That is not the case individual value that is something else also that you might learn if you read a spider-man comic and if you read uh some of these other comics of very uh, oftentimes especially you talk about the writing in the, the late 80s and the 90s the outstanding writing they would take a, a regular person a character who's just a regular person, just like you and me. And then they would bring the hero into the situation and show that person to say, I'm, I'm just like you. And that person would observe Spider-Man or whoever going through all the same kind of things that they go to through. And then sometimes it'd be a little kid giving Spider-Man advice because Spider-Man is so overwhelmed. He can't even, you know, think a way out and the little kid says oh you know you could do this and then that shows little kids oh we could be leaders it's, it's not about my age by the decisions I make by how I conduct myself I can be a leader I can be a leader just like Spider-Man that's the point and so what they're doing now which is kind of making these characters two-dimensional 
Like, you know, I put on the costume, so therefore I'm a hero and I'm schnaz a rock a doodle. No, you're not. You earn that. Even somebody like, um, oh my God, Ghost Rider and all the stuff he goes through that is not neat. It is not neat. It is not clear cut. The way that we are being given hero stories now where it's like, Everything is so clear cut and you're just the best because you're the best or because you're a woman or because you did X, Y, Z. It's not that. It's not about that. It's about the essence of you. Finding that unique value that you have to offer. And yes, you you give render that service through that talent, through that mutant ability, through that suit or whatever it is. That's what we're looking at. But that's not what they're looking at. So because the the creators and the intention. The people that are creating it from the nugget. The smallest nugget. Because their intent is not what. I don't know what kind of uh, influence Stan Lee had on these. Um, I don't know what kind of influence he had on his stable and his writers when he was at Marvel or whatever but I kind of felt like people were of the same mindset in their aesthetic of what we're trying to show people and what was fantastic was it didn't matter what there was a time when it didn't matter what book you picked up you got a certain level of quality and you got a certain level of um, exploration of maturity and seeing the maturity that these heroes had to have um, beyond their situations. It didn't matter what book you, you picked up. You could get, you could get that same X-Men quality that at a point, certain point in time, all the books were that good. You know, and then as the movies came out and things got more and more popular, it's just like, you know, well, we'll just take uh, this traced picture of, you know, I don't know who and then superimpose another costume on top of it. And then, oh, oh, we need a female Thor. But, you know, why do we need a female Thor? Who is she? How is she different from regular Thor? It, it's kind of just like, we'll just take this version because we want your demographic. Slap your thing on. It's the same thing that's going on in politics. Really, it is the same thing that's going on in politics. It is the uh, weaponized identity politics. And we have to be set. This is why, you know, some people are like, well, we could just continue it. But guess what? No, you can't. And we've reached that point where we really just can't. Hopefully I have room for everything in the show today. I think we're going to focus on comic books today because this is like, this is important enough, I think. Nice to, Thor Kesha, actually, but you can call me Thor for short. I love that. He won't mind. (laughs) The book fairy. You're the book fairy. We collect gently used books. And okay. then we redistribute them to schools and hiding areas. Oh, all that's the so fantastic. And things like that. So we partner with schools and, and corporations to, to run book drives. I love that. So, you yeah. know, I have an idea for you. The Lost Book 
amnesty drive where anybody that hasn't returned to book to the library in like two or three years, they just come, they bring it, and you guys can knock it out. Because people think how many library books that we get. I bet, I bet, I bet. That's a fantastic idea. Did you do this all yourself? No, I'm the program coordinator. Okay. Um, our founder, Amy, uh-huh. started this about six years ago. Which Amy? Not the Amy? No, her Another name is Amy, Amy. Sasslansky. She lives okay. in Belmore. And she started this out of a garage six years ago. Do you ever have events where you read to the children? or you? We don't We don't do events where we read, but we do a lot of community service um, um, programs in our warehouse where we have families or kids who and they come. sort through the books that we get. The Wonderful. That we get. Wonderful. Yes. Okay, the book fairies. You can look them up. And you can also, how do people get their books to book fairies? We are open Tuesday through Thursday from 10 to 3. We have a warehouse in Freeport. Freeport, Long Island. And if you have more than five boxes of books, we Uh will come and pick them up. They will come and pick up more than five boxes of books. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Reading is so important for children's uh, developmental skills to be able to express themselves, to be able to speak, to be able to write. You've got the starburst. I admit I came over. I smelt your Skittles. Go, take one. But you got to get a life insurance policy right now. No, <laughs> so, so what's going on here? So, well, this is just like our literature table. We have all the information about like financial planning, uh, life insurance, things of that nature. Oh, I need that. And we're raffling off uh, an Echo Dot. Oh, let me get in the raffle. How do you get in? Just uh, enter in name, number, address, uh, give a signature, and then on the back uh-huh. is just all the services we provide. Okay. So if you know, you said you know you you gotta look into that kind of stuff. Check a couple. I'm in off. it. So we'll give you a call regardless to get you some information on life insurance and financial planning. I love it. And we're I gonna love throw it. you in the raffle. We have oh. three to give away. Oh, I got a good chance today. Yeah, we what is that though? The Echo Dot. So yeah, you connect this to your home and then you get to say like, uh, it's, it's like Alexa. Alexa. It's Alexa. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what I need in my house. Yeah, exactly. Or surveillance. Cool. Cool. I love it. So fill out a card. And I'll come back to you. I don't want to take your pen. You need your pen. Just fill it out right here. No, I gotta make my rounds. But what's this? These are these are the laminators. Oh. Oh, you're on spot with it. All right, I like that. I like that, okay. Wow. Okay, so there's some things going on at Marvel Comics. Hi, everyone. It's your boy, Zach. And, uh, oh my gosh, my emails and DMs have been blowing up over this uh, article, or it's actually two articles. Although, weirdly enough, all the positive and negative comes on this cosmic book news and the bleeding cool i think it's a moot point people would complain about the bleeding cool if they could actually read the article and it wouldn't shut down their browser but anyway it's this article uh, about uh, disney shutting down marvel comics so one of the things that's been a little awkward for me is are you, know, you people serious usually about that bring me something and you I know they, they like the show they like the channel um and I basically told every single person, I don't believe this, this isn't real. Which is a little awkward because they're very, very excited and, and they think, yeah, here's the football, you know, run with it, get a touchdown. And I was like, um, I'm playing badminton and I'm actually on a break. Um, uh, but uh, I don't believe this at all. Uh, but there are 
some truths inside of it and I think it's hinting at what will happen. So uh, there's this, <laughs> it sound like Doug Tenopel. There's this uh, Bible verse and of course since there's like 30 different versions of the Bible, there's 30 different versions of this verse. Um, but it, uh, it, it says, uh, uh, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but sh we shall all be transformed. So, uh, uh -oh. Marvel is not going to sleep. <laughs> He's not going to die. Oh uh, but God. it is going to be transformed. He and put the Bible in with the comic. We got it going on today. Here. Way that I'm I think this. the average mom at Target will not notice because that's their target audience, no pun intended. Um, but will be uh, uh, very interesting to comic book fans and very shocking to the SJWs uh, currently running Marvel. So for some people who haven't been peeking in, maybe you just watched the TV shows and the, and the movies, Marvel uh, it's publishing since you know the middle of the last century and it's traditionally just been straight down the middle, mainstream entertainment in the last five years has done a hard, hard left turn um, and started uh, uh, basically doing two things. Attacking the fans constantly, calling them Nazis and bigots, and uh, uh, rewarding failure. Uh, if a book sells poorly, it will get rebooted, sometimes instantly, sometimes the next month. If a uh, creator does poorly, they will get series after series after series. Um, it's, it's like this capitalism in the negative zone. You know, failure gets rewarded. We hate our customers. <laughs> Sounds even worse when you say it out loud. It's like, oh geez, really bad. So anyway, I'll just get right into this. This is Disney shutting down Marvel Comics question mark. So question mark is one of those things in journalism that is, I hate it. <laughs> because you can literally say something that even you know is not true, but if you put a question mark on it, you can't be sued. Now I'm not saying Matt McGloy is saying something that he thinks is not true. Um, but just just be wary. Anytime you see a question mark in, in journalism, that's like a big red flag. Um, so uh, the comic book industry is presently said to be in a state of collapse. Yeah, we had sales go down for three years in a row. While the economy goes up, while unemployment goes down, while the movies are more, you know, superhero movies are the most popular thing going on 10 years, and yet sales are going down. Um, now it is being speculated, uh, Disney may actually be considering shutting down Marvel Comics. So this is a little... Ah. So, Disney owns Marvel, but Disney does not hold on to Marvel the way it holds on to its other properties. Disney has, you know, a very strict, like, uh, code of behavior for employees and contractors. It tends to do some pretty solid quality control. Um, the best analogy I can give is, while you may not like Last Jedi, it does not look like a sci-fi original movie. And that's basically what Marvel Comics is. There will be a couple of comics that will hold up to the standard of quality from 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But not very many. Like, it's kind of... Sh the Marvel Comics right now, the ink runs off on your hands when you hold them in your hand to read them. Like. They've cheaped out on every single way. Now, one of the ways you cheap out in getting cheaper, you know, Tumblr trash artists, and they don't even use cover stock. They use interior paper stock as their covers. 
Um, interior paper stock is not meant to be held for any, it's literally you grab the corner, you turn it. Um, so I've done dozens of videos where I finish, you know, I'm, I'm in an air conditioned room and uh, I've got black ink all over my hands. Um, so the way you turn more profit is you spend less on product, what does Marcus Lamona say? Product, uh, uh, product process people. Uh, he, you go cheaper on the product and you go cheaper on the people and that's how they, they kind of... Because even the, the last guy, Alex Alonzo, who was either let go or decided to quit in the middle of a Tuesday for no reason. Um, uh, one of the things his uh, subordinate said was, you know, he did have the most profitable year in Marvel history. Um, because they, they, they hire a bunch of clowns and pay them $125 a page. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, Speculation about problems within Marvel comes from a press release issued by the company where Marvel Comics Chief Creative Officer Joe Quesada and Editor-in-Chief C.B. Cebulski are attending the upcoming South by Southwest. Uh, that's a huge media festival. It started out mainly music, and now it's basically everything. I went there last year. They had uh, free signings by Mark, Mark Miller. Jesus. Frank Miller. Right. Um, not that I, not that it's, it's bad, but Mar get in on <laughs> All it. All right. Basically, everything from the last five years of Marvel is a complete loss and is is not worthy of being adapted into any form. Okay. Um, titled Marvel from Comics to Screens, the hour-long panel will look at how some blah blah. blah yeah. So, um, so then uh, Bleeding Cool put it forth. Um, And I, this is Bleeding Cool, but Bleeding Cool is such a trash website that I feel like my tablet's gonna start melting like somebody who looked into the Ark of the Covenant uh, just what? by having it on screen for two. Like, it's dangerous. It will shut down your computer, or really, you know, you won't be able to use it properly. Um, so, the, uh, so, he says, uh, Bleeding Cool said, in essence, to save Marvel Comics, the sales have been dwindling for years, and they need to convince Disney that publishing Marvel comic books even though they are losing money, it's still a good idea because- It is, it's, who are they putting in there to do it? They're, they're like literally on a campaign to destroy comic books. The inspiration That's what I feel is going markets. on. Well, so they say this even though they are losing money. Oh yeah, yeah, this is from, well, he's, he's talking about himself, but he's quoting the um, financial report. So yeah, so. And that's something that Umbrella Guy can cover on that. That's about what we're going to do with you eventually. Um, exactly. If, if we wouldn't have existed, you know, you know, or we've done the videos or done our own Indiegogos, I think this would have happened last year. You know what? I agree um, with you on that. There's an interview here with um, an actual owner of some comic book um, stores. This whole episode, you know, given my whole Boy, Thor thing, and, uh, let's go into what's going on in the comic book shops. About this yesterday, um, I think Ethan Van Skyver was talking about it, but I, he said he was going to do a video about it, so I don't yeah, want where is it? Jump the line. I gotta find. <laughs> so it looks like he discussed this in a very, very, very early video this morning. So uh, go check out that one uh, after you check out this one. <laughs> Uh, Got him! Oh, wait. I'm gonna make sure I didn't. Okay, see. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is 
uh, a book about kind of the missing piece of the puzzle of the thing that I haven't talked about that much, which is comic book retailers and their part in the current state of the industry, which is basically the last minute of one of those ISIS execution videos from like eight years ago. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, just for people coming into this, uh, the comic book industry, you know, obviously it's been around since the 1930s. In the 1970s, late 70s, early 80s, they started something called the direct market. So traditionally, comic books were treated the same as um, magazines. In that a store would say, you know, send us 50 people magazines, 40 us magazines, 30 good housekeeping, and then they sell them, and then they get a percentage, uh, then uh, they got a, you know, Us Magazine gets a percentage, they get a percentage, and whatever they have left over, they either mail it back, or, or sometimes you would rip the cover off to prove that you still had it, or you would just prove that it was unsold, and then you would either get a refund or usually a credit. Um, I don't think I explained that perfectly, but I think you get my point. Um, uh, periodicals were returnable. Periodicals have a limited shelf life. You want to read the Us magazine from this week, not the one from nine weeks ago. Um, uh, so comic books were kind of the same. Uh, they would come out, they would be on the stands for a month, and then whatever was unsold was returnable. Or, you know, you, you could get a credit for it. Um, the direct market was different. Uh, the direct market was, you know, the, the old comic market was 7-Eleven, grocery stores, uh, bookstores, newsstands. Um, but the direct market was about having these things called comic book shops. And that was crazy. Comic books had been around for like 40, 50 years before someone's like, what if we had a shop that just sold comics? And I'm going to blow your freaking mind. If you're like some young whippersnap, you're like 20, 25, 30. Comic book stores used to almost exclusively sell comics. You would have, uh, usually it was kind of like a, a, a one-thirds, two-thirds thing. There would be one-thirds new comics, tons of them, and then it would be two-thirds back issues. Now there would usually be like a little bric-a-brac along the wall, maybe a little Chewbacca mask or something like that. Couple posters, but man, it was like in it to win it all day, every day. Comic books, order them, sell them, and then you know the collectibles. Uh, the the um, the older ones were usually cheaper or a lot more expensive than the new ones. So that was kind of interesting. Um, then they had my thing that I love, which was the quarter box. Quarter box was for the books that. They probably over-ordered, um, so sometimes it was good, bruh. Like my first comic book shop I went to a lot, you could just wait like a week and get the, you know, the comic that would have cost like a dollar twenty-five, get it for a quarter. That's sweet. But anyway, uh, things are really bad right now because traditionally what happens, and this is not just what happened in the industry, this is like a guy selling bread outside a Colosseum in Rome 2,000 years ago. What sells gets ordered more, gets sold more. Which doesn't sell, which 
goes stale on the shelves or goes stale in your little wheeled, wooden wheeled carts, they say, we're going to stop doing that. Nobody likes this. That's how it used to be. But uh, we like to, you know, then they end climb numbers. Um, but uh, so what happened is, instead of the market deciding, you know, hey, Captain Marvel doesn't sell that well, we're going to cancel it. Oh, no, we're just going to bring it back over and over and over again. Hey, Squirrel Girl doesn't sell that Sounds well? Like Reboot it. Miss ah. Mar Marvel doesn't sell that well? Reboot oh, it no. over and over and over again. Uh, so basically, it stopped being reacting to the market and it start, started to become Tumblr politics. This person is of identity group X, therefore they're unfireable, they're uncriticizable, they're unassailable. Um, and it just became this, you know, oh, you don't like Creator X? Well, they're identity group Y. That means you don't like them because they're identity group Y. It doesn't matter if you like 10 other creators that are of identity group Y. It was just always this emotional blackmail idiocy. So, very, very predictably, sales went down three years in a row while the economy is going up, while unemployment is basically like, it's like at 2.9% or something ridiculously low. Comic books aren't selling. So what is happening? Comic book stores are going out of business. Now, I've always kind of gave, given... Because the response to what was going on in the books, the response has been too slow. People did not realize the change in everything. Y'all should have been up in arms a year, two years ago. I didn't even know what was going on in DC Comics. We're gonna go into it right now. Here we go. Here we what the heck, Ethan? Keep going. Oh no, I silenced you. Compromise. Oh, no. And by the way, I'm recommend, uh, recommending compromise. The, the key to a good relationship is to make sure that Just each partner moment, is happy nervous. in the decisions that are being made. So a compromise. Uh, we'll find another movie to go see. Um, and not go see Captain Marvel. That's just, that's the one thing we're not going to do. And that... Can we do like a Mandela effect? <laughs> these things are not considered at oh, no, all uh, by these weirdo SJWs. They don't, they don't even know what it is to maintain a relationship. Or... They had no intention of even going to the movie. They're just talking about it. They did it. Marvel, you need to stop the SJWs. Thing like that. So, but any, I, listen, I digress. I digress. Uh, here's the problem. Red Daddy's alert, red belt. alert. Go get Daddy's belt. Uh, there are a lot of troubled productions <laughs> over at Disney right now. The MCU is troubled because SJWs uh, worm their way in, and Star Wars. What happened? My boots. Certainly has been troubled for the past two years uh, for the same exact reason. And of course, Episode 9, which. Because they killed the real Han Solo to go solo with somebody we don't know. You know, Disney is kind of taking its sweet time. They have sex with robots on the way. What the hell? Uh, revealing uh, any details about, any information about Star Wars. We weren't raised like that. We weren't raised on that. Nine. Why? Probably because they don't want to kind of eat Captain Marvel's lunch. Uh, probably because they want the focus of the American movie going public and all talk, all discussion. She's to not going to be in the ending to eat it. About Captain Marvel and the Avengers, it makes sense. Uh, at this point, they're not going to release, from what we understand, the episode title, uh, the title for episode nine, until Star Wars Celebration, which is uh, in mid-April. Uh, but for now, uh, you know, we what can are we celebrating at this point? 
Let's get through Captain Marvel, then we celebrate. Register our discontent, I suppose. Um, let's see what this article says. Uh, what, what can I do for you, Mark Newbold? Yeah. People are sending me articles all the time, and they're just like, Ethan, have you seen this? Have you seen this? I love it. I love that about this channel. The rating of episode 9 is falling fast on Rotten Tomatoes, with negative ratings already affecting the film's score. Targeted in much the same way as Captain Marvel. That's right. You know, get woke, go broke. We will. We will break you. That is what we will do to you. Uh, heroic Hollywood, uh, take a look at this situation. I don't understand. You mean took a look at the situation, or are you asking them? Heroic Hollywood, take a look at this situation. And then we suddenly we have uh, these guys, uh, the three stooges, as I call them, hugging each other. Oh, uh, no. I think was hugging Finn. Give me uh, a basketball tour, and I said, oh, okay. I'm on superhero duty right now. Send it to you, you mean? I'll send it to you. What? What? Who wants to have No. Sorry. He wanted to play basketball, and I just said, we're going to wait on the dribbling, but... Okay, good. Yeah, but this I have footage of him. But I kind of figured that was not. I can sit. They're Kesha. A singer consists of a singer. Yes. And that's Carla. Nice well, to hello, meet Carla. you. You're very talented, young man. She sings the national anthem at different stadiums. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So what is this about? What what are you what are you wrapping? Well care health insurance. Hi Mike. Well care health uh -huh. insurance. What demographic? So we um we are in 49 states actually. So we have offices everywhere in Manhattan and Hempstead and so affordable health care. I could get behind that. Hello, lovely to meet you. Hi. I'm Thor Kesha. I'm here interviewing Well Care. This is wonderful. Thank you. How are you? How are you? And this Hello. is your Russell today. of Request. I'm here to help you if you want to make any announcements. Yes, anything you want to get out to the people, I'm, I'm putting this on the podcast. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, give you a minute. We'll be, we'll okay, be going well, around. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay. Nice to meet you. Uh, what now, Scowly? Hello. I start this gangster show. This is the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. I started this gangster show. And this the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. Hey, if you're new to this channel and enjoying the content, would you take a minute to subscribe, please? Thanks very much. Good morning. It's Comic Artist Pro Secrets. You are listening to Ethan Van Skyver, 25-year veteran of the comic book industry. Great big Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, why, why not? Another Captain Marvel article. Getting everybody revved up for the Captain Marvel movie. Captain Marvel. By the way, uh, can I just verge into an aside here for a minute? Now, I'm not an SJW, but let me be an SJW for one, for one minute, okay? Time me. Uh, Monica Rambeau was the Captain Marvel that I grew up with in the 1980s. She was a African-American woman of color, W-O-C, woman of color, okay? Now, uh, she was in Secret Wars. She wore a silvery white awesome costume with black accents. Uh, she had energy powers just like Captain Marvel Brie Larson does here. Uh, Captain Marvel white bread. Now, why have they taken this woman? Why have they stripped Monica Rambeau, this valuable character who could actually empower so many women of color? Why have they taken that character and stripped her from pop culture history and replaced her uh, with uh, Captain Desperate Housewife here. Why? Why has that happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, any answers? Uh, I, I can't think of any answers myself. Uh, I find it perplexing. Uh, look at this woman scowling from her privilege as she takes a job from a woman of color. Uh, think on that for a minute. Now, uh, SJW, 
off, but you know, I do miss Monica Rambeau. Uh, and um, you know, I, the whole thing is very, very strange that they're going to stand here and claim that this is an empowering kind of feminist movie uh, while they have uh, removed uh, the real Captain Marvel. The, the real Captain Marvel from the 1980s uh, from, uh, from the roster. Interesting. Captain Marvel can lift Thor's hammer, according to Brie Larson. So Thor's hammer, uh, Mjolnir, uh, gives its holder awesome power, but, but not just anyone can pick it up. Uh, the inscription on the side of the hammer reads, Whosoever holds this hammer, if he, he, uh, be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Of Thor. Uh, so those words are ironclad. Uh, no woman could pick up the, the hammer of, of Thor. No woman could pick up Mjolnir um, at all. Of course not. Uh, anyone else who tries to lift it, this hammer will not even budge, okay? And so, um, now, having said that, uh, even though Thor has most often uh, wielded Mjolnir, all right? Uh, it, there have been times when other individuals have uh, been able to, to pick up Mjolnir and carry it. Uh, and a few times where it's been in alternate realities, and then one obviously egregious error that happened, uh, you know, in the past few years because of SJW Marvel. We'll, we'll talk about all those. We'll, we'll go through these. But the big question here is, uh, does Brie Larson know what she's talking about, or is she talking out of her ass? I mean, it's quite possible that this Captain Marvel character, according to uh, the MCU will be able to lift Thor's hammer, and should Thor's hammer materialize, uh, she will be able to uh, hold it, and that's going to be a scene in the movie. She may have spoiled something, oh, or God. she may be talking out of her patootie, as they say, uh, as they said in the 1940s. She may be talking out of her rump. Uh, so, um, <laughs> what is the answer here? Hey, Brie Larson, uh, could Captain Marvel blow up the Death Star? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brie Larson, could Captain Marvel beat Doomsday? Oh, one hand tied behind her back. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, um, could, could Captain Marvel rise from the grave after three days? Uh, no, make it two. Make it two. So anything that any male hero can do, of course, uh, Captain Marvel, according to Brie Larson, can do better. Uh, maybe that's, is that what's going on here, or is there actual fact behind this? Let's Let's forge ahead, shall we? The Marvel Cinematic Universe may have another who is worthy of wielding Thor's hammer. Uh, Wow Mjolnir was destroyed by Hela in Thor Ragnarok, uh, the summer of uh, the subject of who may or may not be capable of even picking up the hammer, let alone using it, has been subject to quite a bit of debate. Uh, but according to Brie Larson, Captain Marvel is perfectly capable of picking up the mighty Mjolnir given the opportunity. Uh, Marvel fans know how the old adage goes, whosoever holds this hammer, uh, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. That's the inscription on the hammer, okay? That needs to be amended to say if they uh, be worthy. Not necessarily, no. Not, not necessarily, uh, you know, respect my pronouns. I just ask that you respect my pronouns. Uh, since Jane Foster also became the female version of Thor in the comics. That is correct. That is the egregious thing that I, I speak of. Uh, but the point being that if someone can pick up the hammer, they're going to have godlike powers. Captain Marvel has yet to be re released, but from what we've seen in the trailers alone, it's clear that Brie Larson is going to be incredibly strong as Carol Danvers... <laughs> Uh, during a I would have loved to have seen Rose, who stole Captain Marvel's. That story would have been more interesting to me, of making her relevant through a character we already knew, Rose. Have her steal her powers, 
and see the the dark side of the road. That would have been much more interesting. Interview. Larson was asked point blank whether or not the character could lift Thor's hammer. She didn't hesitate in the answer. Oh, definitely, yes. That, <laughs> oh, yeah, nerd. Yeah, you better... Whatever, nerd. Of course she could. Now, uh, here's the thing. Here's the other thing to, to realize. SJW tropes when it comes to comic book characters and, and any heroes whatsoever. SJWs are incapable of creating heroes with actual oh, flaws. No. They they cannot create uh, three-dimensional characters. In every, in every arena in which they squat, uh, SJWs create characters that are blandly super powerful. Um, they offer superheroes to, um, to, to the reading public, um, as, as though they're parents, disinterested parents that are trying to impress their five-year-olds. Oh yeah, this toy that I'm about to give you, this is the better, this is the greatest toy, blah, blah, blah. This is, this toy's way better than any of the other toys. You're, this of is all, all time. Uh, basically they present characters like Captain Marvel, uh, in, in ways that they're completely unbeatable, unbelievably overpowered, super powerful, flawless, totally awesome, badass. They use the, the phrase badass a lot, badass. Uh, and by the way, uh, Brie Larson has a flat ass, and she is a flat ass. Oh, I know you're not talking uh, about Superhero. It. Um, and that's supposed to be good. They think that's a good thing. The fact that, that Brie Larson, as Captain Marvel, can lift Thor's hammer is meant to elevate Brie Larson, uh, rather than... What the heck are you talking about here? He's, he's talking about... He's talking about something. Wait a second. Keep seeing this hotel blow up. Why would I go see this? Anyway. Uh, especially warmly with, uh... You know, a lot of compassion, a lot of interest. Um, and I don't know what Ray is doing. Ray's just like, what's going on over there? Where is Tico, Ray weirdos? Is Where is Tico? We don't know. With Tico, uh, right. where all the other Star Wars toys are that nobody... Okay, stop. Yeah, it's becoming even more popular. But I'd say infamous. I'd say yelled at by the Captain casting Marvel. crew of the last... We were talking about Captain Absolutely. Marvel. No, there's nothing better you um, just, than, you know, You just uh, jumped to Star Wars. I think you got a Star Wars... <laughs> you got a preference going for Star Wars going on. Not by periodicals. Um, you know, uh, like us, like we do. Uh, now, this movie is coming out. It seems to be very, 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 very important to the MCU. Kevin Feige recognizes that Captain Marvel is a hard sell. Nobody knows who Captain Marvel is yet. Normal audiences... Like I said, regular people who do not read comics, who have not been irritated by SJW Marvel for the past five or six years, don't know who Captain Marvel is. Now, what Kevin Feige has done... Uh, Let me tell you something. She's getting a bad rap. Captain Marvel is freaking awesome. But it's how you tell her story. It's how you introduce her. And if you didn't know, there's two Captain Marvels. There's actually a black Captain Marvel who nobody knows about, which might have been, if you really wanted to show diversity, you could have started off with her. But, you know, that didn't happen, so we'll get over it. But I think a lot of people are, are hungry for a comic book movie right now, and I think they're going to check it out. So maybe we should just, you know... Wait and see, I don't know. Social reform. Uh, that's what they want to feed you first. And if entertainment happens in the process, well, that was an accident. 
They didn't mean for that to happen necessarily. That wasn't even on their mind. What they wanted to do simply was introduce you to a new superhero who was a woman, uh, who could stand on her own, and who would represent Marvel Comics in some way. And that's exactly what they did because this superhero does stand on its own and it does represent Marvel Comics. A failing flip after and, and try to cram an entire uh, year's worth of algebra, in my case, uh, into one summer. And He's two beaten Marvel with Daddy's belt. It's, it depends. Is it my high school, Pensacola, New Jersey high school? Is it their score system? Or is it, you know, uh, based on, well, it doesn't matter. USA Today, Brian Truitt, 75, Seattle Times. Seattle. In other words, yes, it's, it's fun. Is it fun? Is it 75% fun? That's not enough. Uh, 70, a 70 here from Screen International. Brie Larson gives Carol the right mixture of sweetness, humor, and swagger, underlying the film's message of self-empowerment with a light touch. That sounds horrible to me. I don't want that. 67 playlist. And we scroll down. You know what, though? You guys are giving it so much free promotion. It might just shock you. <laughs> Remember, little kids don't know who Shazam is either, and they're stoked to go see that. So, you guys might actually have the reverse effect. I don't know for definite. I haven't bust out the cards or anything. I'm just saying, all this free promotion you're giving this character might have people that aren't even interested be like, who the heck is that? I didn't know this movie was coming out. They might go see it. The person that doesn't go see comic book movies might be like, what's this about? The comic book fans are mad. So let's go see what they're mad about. I mean, I don't know who has $15 to find out what we're mad about, but... Oh, these inc oh now... Oh, they might just go do it. Yellow. I don't know. Here's I don't where, know now, anymore. Lindsay Barrett just managed to keep it green with the Associated Press. I spent over two hours with Captain Marvel. I still have no idea what her personality is. It's SJW feminist. It's whammon. Her personality is Whammy. woman superhero. <laughs> that is that her mean? personality. Sure, there's a lot more going on. Is there on. a man in that wham? I don't know. Marvel? But it's a pretty is egregious failing considering the creative big wigs at Marvel had 10 years and 20 films to work it out. They couldn't work it out in the comic books, Lindsay. What have we been trying to tell you all along? We've been trying to tell you that this superhero is a zero. Nobody likes Captain Marvel. She has gone through now nine. Now she's got a new series out now. She's gone through nine iterations in comic books. People do not like this character. She is absolutely bland. There's nothing going on. They're she's looking completely for the generic. Black her costume generic. Her powers are, are generic. Uh, the only thing interesting about Captain Marvel is how they've slowly been changing her into a man. Uh, over the past she uh, already few years, by uh, removing all of her female <laughs> anatomy and uh, and cutting her hair down and making her look like Justin Bieber, it's very very strange. That's interesting. If they could put that in the movie, I'd probably go see it. Uh, Screen Crush Matt Singer gives it its first failing grade, a sixty. Captain Marvel itself has none of that rebellious spirit. It takes oh, very no. few risks in the way that something like Thor Ragnarok did. Beyond the fact that this is the studio's first blockbuster with a female hero in the lead, personally, I like my movies about rule breakers to actually break some rules. Um, yeah, Guardian Peter Bradshaw, I um, wanted a clearer, yeah. more simple. I just want to do a bunch of impressions of Ethan, because I love when he starts talking like this. Story for Captain Marvel's emergence I want to hear him rap. That would be hilarious. Stage. And then I mean, good, films, but also uh, If she isn't 
simply to, to get lost in the ensemble mix, there should be more of Larson's own wit. She doesn't have any wit and style. She doesn't oh, have any no. style. Oh, and indeed, no, you, you remember didn't. That, look at her sneakers in that one picture in her Stanley Lee tribute much tea for me. Uh, from Instagram. She has zero style. And he paused oh, on the no. martial arts. She pushed a jeep up up a hill while it was in reverse oh, neutral. Uh, in any case, Captain Marvel is an entertaining part of the new saga. Oh. Is it? Then why did you give it a 60? Oh. Sounds like garbage to me. Time out. Uh, look at all these terrible scores here. Brie Larson isn't given enough to do in a Marvel movie that marinates. She gotta save the world. Danvers' crucial emotional metamorphosis from a dual identity self-doubter to fearless warrior battling to keep Earth safe. Well, look, I I'm telling you, she's a cardboard cutout. Oh, no, you didn't. As generic and retrograde as Black Panther was specific and revolutionary. Oh, God. Women. They can't do that. The thing about SJWs is their characters are so precious to them. You know, Does this say melatonin? What's said to be Marvel's most powerful superhero ever is served melatonin. There is precious little, oh, oh, oh. As archetypes, as as uh, archetypes of um, uh, on the hierarchy of oppression. Uh, this is a whammon. We can't put this whammon through trouble. Wait, but there's a cat in this movie. I'm interested. Does Samuel Jackson get a cat? Does, um... What the hell? Time Nick Fury is taking the first steps towards becoming Nick Fury. And yeah, that's kind of a very generic review. Uh, but Richard Roper, 3.5 out of 4. It's very generous of you, Richard. Uh, Darren uh, Francis says, uh, Francis, what, whatever. Uh, the movie's treatment of its source material is clever. Rating B. Uh, how's Larson? She's more than good enough for this job. It's not her loosest work. <laughs> you think? She's like a wooden board the entire movie. She's just like, I'm just going to do the rest of this review like, uh, like Captain Marvel. I'm just going to have no emotion or facial expression. In my opinion, for Logan, he could have got nominated for best actor in that film. He could have. He carried yeah, that movie. He was, was so good. dang good. He was full of emotion. Um, there's so many other comic book films where I feel like that's BS. That's not even that's not even uh, a valid uh, excuse. You know, it's not her loosest work. Uh, but uh, but appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, ooh, we've got uh, Johnny Olensky uh, from the New York Post says uh, the character even with comparison Wonder Woman. Uh, luckily, Captain Marvel doesn't have to be better than all of the MCU's previous films to be something enjoyable. Oh, that's there, positive. MCU humor and action, and plenty of girl power moments in Larson's strong performance. Oh God, I'm gonna stop. It's rare. And we've got uh, this gentleman here, a list there. Uh, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that.
Hey, if you're new here but enjoying the content, please take a minute to hit that subscribe button and join us. Thank you. All right, I I'm genuinely starting to worry for the human race at this point. Welcome to Comic Artist Pro Secrets. I'm Ethan Van Scott, 26 year veteran of the comic book industry. World's most charming, elegant, eloquent, and yet humble man. A great big Star Wars fan, trusted member of the media. Now, part of being a trusted member of the media is keeping your ear to the ground, and Twitter is the ground. Sometimes uh, it's about as low as you can go. Now, I use Twitter as a social media tool. Uh, I've invented something called, I like to call it virtue signaling. I invented this myself. Uh, basically, oh, really? I use Twitter to let everyone know uh, that I am the good guy. Uh, and then I let people, I, I point out the bad guys to people. And, and, you know, I let people know who they are. Also, uh, I use Twitter to let people know that I am a hero to the LGBTQ community, which I am. Uh, well, they call me Gaylord. That must mean I'm Lord of the Gays. Uh, that's all fine. Uh, and that's what I do. But I also accept messages, little direct messages, DMs from you guys, private messages. And you guys go and you send me uh, somebody else's tweet. Let me tell you, Spider-Verse was how you do it. They did that. They did that. Somebody need to be like, what did they do when they did that? Because that's what they need to be doing. Of soy boy avatar cliché dumb. Cliché dumb. What's with everybody has cats now? Did they run out and buy cats? Did they always have these cats? Or have they been hiding their cats and now everybody's like, oh, okay. Oh, let's show our cats now. Well, looking uh, peak, cats? Uh, you can have a little Phenomenal. innocent uh, cartoon avatar of yourself looking cute when really... Uh, you're a sexual predator. Uh, there are lots of different ways that uh, you can express yourself uh, as being a soy boy, but that's that's definitely one of them. Now, this tweet is alarming to me. Let me read this tweet to you. I don't even like superheroes. I just like seeing diversity on the big screen. I went to Harlem to see Spider-Verse the second time. I sat in the front row. And rather than watch the film, I turned around and watched a young black boy. I watched his laughs. That smiled. sounds like a pervert right there. But anyway, we're going to switch gears right now. And I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel's cat. Okay, let's stick to the positives. Maybe people are going and want to see Super Cat. It's about time for Super Cat. <coughs> Let me clear my throat. Every superhero needs a sidekick. In Captain Marvel, wait, I think that the cat uh, deserves their own money. Uh, their own money. <laughs> well, I'm losing it. I mean, their own, well, gosh, wow. That just totally blew it up, right? I need a, my own theme for the cat, okay? So we're going to work that for the cat. Cats deserve a theme. Cats becoming superheroes. This is huge, okay? This is huge. Nobody ever talks about it. It's something somebody should talk about. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. Hold Here we go. What you need to know about Captain Marvel's cat Every superhero needs a sidekick in Captain Marvel, the titular, okay, hero's companion. Wait, Whitney, you're too loud. Okay, and at times like that, we need to hear about the cat. Um, yeah, is a fuzzy star who steals every scene they're in, Goose Carol Danvers' cat. 
In the comics, Carol has a pet named Chewie who accompanies her on her adventures and proves to be an unexpectedly useful ally in the face of danger. For the film version, directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck decided to trade the Star Wars moniker for a Top Gun reference and rename the cat Goose, a nod to Carol's early career as an Air Force pilot in the 80s. Goose shares a lot of screen time with Carol and Nick Fury, but there was one hair-raising snag behind the scenes. Brie Larson herself is highly allergic to cats. Well, look at it here. One thing I actually have in common with you, I'm allergic to cats too. But I still love them. The filmmakers came up with a three-cat solution. One goose is computer-generated. One's a realistic cat puppet that Larson could hold without sneezing. And then there's the 12-year-old orange tabby, Reggie, who is actually more directable than some actors I've worked with, says Bowden with a laugh. The three cats, Archie, Gonzo, and Rizzo, filled in when the script required a specific trick or when Reggie the cat got too tired. Despite Larson's allergies, Reggie managed well with his two-legged co-stars. You give them a snack, you talk to them in a relatively kind tone, and then give them a snack when it's over, says Samuel Jackson, who plays Nick Fury. Says of the cats, next time they see you, it's like, oh, that's that cat with the snacks. I mean, that dude with the snacks. Adds Larson, I mean, that's basically how I work, too. Okay, okay. So we're finding out about the cat, little kitty, and let's see what else we can find out. <clears throat> a lot of people are saying that they are going to watch Captain Marvel for her cat, which is groundbreaking. Every superhero movie should have a cat. Scratch that. Every movie should have a cat. Captain Marvel's meeting the all-important requirement by including Carol Danvers' adorable ginger feline companion, who was fully introduced in the latest trailer, being teased. Also in the poster. I'd like to know more about the kitty. Okay, so let's find out about this cat. You've already figured this out, but flurkin are alien creatures resembling Earth's house cats. You wouldn't notice any differences between the appearance of your best feline friend and a flurkin. Sounds like something uh, Rose from Golden Girls made up. But anyway, it is the 80s anyway. And for the most part, they act exactly the same. Of course, psychological differences do exist. Flurkin lay eggs to produce offspring, which they can produce a hundred at a time. Wow, don't want a cat sit during that. And have tentacles that extend beyond their mouths. And they have human-level intellect. Still think this kitty is super cute. Flurkin are far from the alternate reality Earth 58163. Okay, so what's really cool is that, okay, so this pet, anybody comes in when Captain Marvel's not home, they're going down. Oh my gosh, okay. So I can't wait to see Captain Marvel's cat. What about you? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Maybe the cat will save the day. Let's find out.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So you are Pandora's Treasure Corner Boutique. And uh, where do you get these fabulous things? You know, we buy and sell. We have a, a clothing store in West Hempstead. And um, we have clothing, jewelry. We have family products, um, a baby layout, linens. Wow. Where, where do you get your, your merchandise? Private boutique? You're yes, just boutique. boutique, so we source private. Wonderful. Private this, I love this. I love it. How much is this? Um, 18. Oh, that's very fairly priced. I got to get your little cat pocketbooks on film because they're so cute. Hold on. What is his name? Nick Fury have a cat? Is it black? Everybody, oh, no. You I, join that great. doesn't matter. What am I saying? Again, I'm genuinely surprised if he didn't. She essentially is using her newfound platform as Captain Marvel to promote radical societal changes that already occurred decades before, while at the same time splitting an already diverse fan base. She goes on the same tired tirade against white men, which is nothing new from Hollywood these days, but it is new for a Marvel movie. Not everything was perfect in the MCU, but no other film franchise had such a great track record of box office success, marketing, and fan unity. Now that's beginning to change. Some would say that we fear change and hate women. But I can say with absolute certainty that the current Captain Marvel problem has nothing to do with misogyny, but everything to do with an egotistical actor running her mouth, and a media making up lies to further an agenda that they think is right for us. It's another battle in the culture war for our entertainment, and thankfully people are waking up and fighting back. Brie Larson's comments don't need any clarification. It was blatantly obvious that she meant what oh, she said. Oh no, everybody won't let this chick go. Tell me something you, I don't you know. You have to do How to Train Your Dragon, uh, Alita Battle Angel. You got movies coming out that should be making a boatload of cash, but a lot of them are underperforming uh, when compared to the expectations. Specifically, oh, no. uh, the last three I mentioned, Alita Battle Angel, How to Train Your Dragon, and The Lego Movie 2. And there's a lot of factors that could be working into this eight-year slump that the box office is currently seeing. Uh, one thing being fatigue. There are so many movies coming out, and every studio is trying to create some kind of cinematic universe. You've got you know, things like Fast and the Furious, where they're not doing spinoffs. You've got Universal still apparently wanting to try and make this uh, dark universe thing work. And the first movie in that... This is for all the men. Oh, we gotta go back for you guys with the wham rap. <laughs> this is for the white men of America to feel... All men of And now Transformers is going to go ahead and re uh, reboot after the success of Bumblebee for what? another cinematic universe. And now they're you, coming uh, back. Every studio wants to have a cinematic universe. They all want to try to get some of Marvel's success they that, that they money. have seen with the MCU, aka the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For those of you who don't know what that means, uh, and it's not working. It's really, really fucking Yet. not. It let's, worked for the MCU because they had a lot of high-caliber <laughs> actors, and they made simple movies a sugar for a simple audience, ultimately.
And, you know, about five years ago, we started having uh, movie analysts were coming out and saying that we're going to see this crash. We're going to see this fatigue. And it looks like it is finally here. Congratulations, Hollywood. You didn't pay any fucking attention. They should have been freaking the fuck out when you had a Star Wars movie with Last Jedi having the 45 whatever uh, percent revenue decrease from Force Awakens. They should have definitely been panicking when Solo underperformed and didn't even make its fucking money back. That's a nightmare for everyone. But they didn't fucking listen. Of course they didn't. But either way, the other thing that I think is going to be a week or two after the movie leaves theaters, I can go ahead and see that movie on pay-per-view. And then even, you know, not even taking that into account, I was, can't remember where it was. I think it was either through DirecTV or like through Google Play or something like that. But Aquaman is still in theaters, and there was an ad there for me to go ahead and watch Aquaman in the comfort of my own fucking home without having oh, to go to the no. theater. The theaters ain't going to see any money from that. The studios are going to see, you know, a cut from that, but not a, a, as much, I would figure. So, why the fuck would I go to the theater? Why? I mean, I could have as much as I wanted to drink at my house. I could do whatever the hell I wanted. I could sit however the hell I wanted. I could have a dollar, po you know, bowl of popcorn that would be just as good as what I get at the theater. And I wouldn't have to worry. And I'd be paying a lot less for the actual, you know, price. I think it was something like... You know, just $12. Again, that was about the equivalent for the standard. God forbid if I was going to the $20 3D uh, version of the movie. So that's, you know, the fact that you can get these movies so quickly, you know, without having to wait for the DVD release. Even then, the DVD releases have accelerated as well. So why the hell would people go to the theater? But either way, back to Captain Marvel. In case you forgot what we were talking about, we are here talking about Captain Marvel. That's what I... Th so that's what I think is... Uh, impacting the decrease in the box office projections for Captain Marvel's debut uh, the most. So it's certainly not doing very well because of all the controversies and drama that are coming up about this movie. See, uh, I you know, think you guys are going to be surprised that you're actually giving it free promotion. You don't realize that you are promoting it. People that didn't know about this movie, people that never saw the commercials. You're talking about it. They're like, who is that? And today I want to talk about the upcoming Captain Marvel film. I have not spoken about that for a while. And what I wanted to do with this video was to just approach the film from simply a storytelling perspective. I know a lot of people are debating the political agenda of it, and that will sometimes fall into argument uh, about politics, or even if people aren't trying to, sometimes a political slant will fall through here or there in terms of social agendas and whatnot. And that is a completely valid conversation to be had, but in this video I wanted to try to offer something that isn't often on display, and that is simply what? how these trailers, how what they are promising is shaping up to be a real problem from simply a craft of storytelling perspective. So again, I'm talking about what the trailers are promising us, what they are hyping up as this film. What and I know that there will be people, you? even now as I'm saying this, who are already gearing up and inhaling to say, you don't know that, you need to see the movie first. The Just, uh, All right, we're going in with Ethan on DC Comics. What the heck is going on in DC? We're not gonna talk about Star Wars for once. We're gonna talk about comics. And we're gonna talk about uh, DC Comics and uh, what a great time uh, it was working there. And 
you know, all all things do kind of uh, come to an end. Uh, I worked for DC Comics from 1998 uh, when I had left Cyberfrog. Cyberfrog stopped paying the bills, essentially. I mean, it was the 90s were, were kind of... The 90s, the end of the 90s were, were really strange. I mean, they constricted. It started out with a big bubble, and then that bubble just kind of imploded. And by 1998, uh, I remember people scrambling and, and saying things like the comic book industry is going to collapse. Uh, and there were very real fears like, of, of that happening. Uh, we didn't share those fears for a little while because we had a toy deal uh, with Playmates Toys. Um, Cyberfrog had, uh, this was, you know, I was, I was working on Cyberfrog then. Um, Cyberfrog had a, a toy deal with Playmates Toys. Remember? Uh, as you can see, there is the prototype for the Cyberfrog toy from Playmates. People, we were, there was such success and such excess that we didn't even notice it. And they are. I mean, they're just a really sensational company full of good people. Um, so, you know, Dan DiDio, Jim Lee, Jeff Johns, uh, you know, Larry Ganim, uh, Mike Cotton, uh, all of the people that I worked with over there, I can't even list them all, but they're all great. They're all, you know, they're really, I have nothing but nice things to say. Uh, of course, over the past couple of years, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, politics have taken hold of the comic book industry. Uh, I stand alone. <laughs> I can be honest with you. I am alone in this. I am I am the only conservative, uh, the only Trump supporter who will actually say so. Uh, this has cost, uh, caused a lot of problems. Uh, this has caused open warfare between some very strange people. Uh, and myself, I, I, I do not understand uh, the SJW comic book community. I never will. Uh, I don't understand because, uh, A, uh, they're full of hate. I don't think they read comics. These people do not read comics because if they read comics, they'd be flying off the shelves. If they think that everybody thinks like them, right? If everyone thinks like them, why are not these comic books flying off the shelf? Somebody tell me. Somebody uh, they project that hate and see there's no money in it. So I, I don't get it. I'll, I never will. Uh, but they have uh, made our lives very, very uncomfortable over the past uh, couple years, year and a half, uh, ever since uh, the election. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, we had to make a decision uh, to either step away, uh, to stop... Uh, speaking out, speaking our minds, being honest about who we were uh, to ourselves and to the fans. But that's what they want you to do. That's exactly what they want you to do. Um, or just continue, you know, what we're doing. I mean, humbly with our heads down. And, uh, you know, look, what's important to me is uh, that I, and, and by the way, ironically, Mark Wade told me this. Uh, this is advice I got from Mark Wade. Mark Wade said, uh, I cannot put a price on speaking my own mind. Uh, nobody can buy that from me. I remember him saying that to me when we were still friends before he uh, stabbed, uh, stabbed me right in the back. Oh, no. <laughs> but I remember Mark Wade saying, no, look, uh, I, you know, Ethan my Vince views, Driver. my politics are so important to me that uh, they Former come first. DC they come employee. before my comics, before anything else, um, before my friendships, before, you know, anything in my life. I need to be able to, to say what I want to say. And I thought that was actually uh, valuable uh, advice that was actually wise um, uh, from Mark Wade. Uh, uh, Force me to into silence. Um, if I, you know, if I want to tell you to fuck off, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. And I may use uh, different words to do so. Uh, I, I want to represent 
uh, my views. I want to defend myself. I want to protect my family. Uh, and I don't want to have to ask permission. Uh, this is why um, I have decided not to stay at DC Comics. Now, um, had I stayed, uh, I, I feel like I would have been cowed. Um, I would have needed to change a lot of things um, that I was doing. I would not have a YouTube channel. I would not have a Twitter. I wouldn't have- You know what happens to an artist when you as an employer, whoever, when an artist has to keep on compromising to the point where they're not even themselves, you are going to have a serious degradation of the product and of their creative work. You're not going to have the reason why you hired them, the reason why you, why what, whatever they do is stunning because they are no longer free to, um, it's a, to, to do their self-expression through what they love because they're so just constantly with, you know, whether it's people over the shoulder or people telling them what to say. Um, really in terms of writing, I know I'm not a published writer, but I respect what I get from my own writing enough to say that, um, real characters that resonate, I feel like they write themselves, you know, just like songs that, you know, when, when you're, if you're writing from a certain character's point of view, that's not me saying that that's that character saying that, but that's my understanding of who that person is. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I, I hope I'm expressing myself clearly enough. So if you're constantly having to distort all of these staples in a character's character, it's just going to devolve into just nothing. Then you kind of just have, how do I know that that's Thor? Oh, because he has blonde hair and he wears a metal cap with wings on it or whatever. Or, or how do I know that that's Spider-Woman? Oh, because she's got this black and white costume on. That's not how the level to which we can identify characters. I could probably hear dialogue if somebody did a reading of X-Men, any of the any of the Chris Claremont books. If somebody sat around with a reading table and I just heard it and they never announced who their character was, I could tell you who each and every person was because their point of view was so specific. Seriously. And, you know, actors and everybody writing and everybody always talks about that, right? Oh, make specific choices or whatever. So what's happening is um, really, wow, now that gives me a compassion for Brie Larson. How can I explain that? Because if the character has been so uh, stripped of all of these things that give, give her point of view, you got to be one heck of a, an actress. You got to bring so much inner life, so much inner story. Um, and it's got re to resonate with so many people to ring true. That's, that's a tremendous amount of responsibility um, to place on somebody. That's all I would say. Um, so I just wanted to give you a, a piece of maybe what the actual artists are feeling like 
working right, for so uh, the, in the environment, the current is, comic book environment. You're limited by what you can do with your hands and not what you can do with your mind. Um, so Here we uh, go. yeah, there there is there is no real way to get rich, uh, not in this environment. You know, not with comics. As comics uh, sales decline, um, and uh, you know, you can't, you don't have the choice. I mean, everybody would like to go work on Batman, but even as Batman sales decline, uh, you don't really have the choice to, to work on Batman. Uh, you don't have the choice to climb to the very top of the pyramid all the time. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be at the top of the pyramid often uh, and working on the very best projects, the highest selling projects that DC puts out often. It's good. It's great. Uh, it, you're not going to get rich. I'm laughing. There's a whole segment where it says, <laughs> I was like, I, I wasn't really reading the things that Brie Larson was saying, but it says that Brie Larson claims Captain Marvel could definitely lift Thor's hammer. Okay, I'm laughing because that's funny. I'm just laughing at that. I might so, have to go uh, into This is that the thing. Episode. I mean, you, you know, in order to get rich, you do need to own your own property. You do need to find ways to, uh, new ways to get it out to people. This and is, you know what? Maybe this is telling people that we need a new entrepreneurial business model and that writers and artists, you know, need to like get it and do it the way that we need it done. Like maybe there's a new, maybe there's something, maybe this is the positive can lead to something new. You know, maybe that, maybe that's the silver lining. Other than um, collecting 3% of a declining pie, it's better to collect maybe 100% of a smaller pie that is go. growing. Uh, and that is what Todd McFarlane said. That is what I agree with. Image, so, image. Uh, Vance Skyver has image raised uh, over $187,000, yeah boy, to date, with an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign to fund a 48-page Cyberfunk Bloodhoney OGN, the first of four planned volumes. So Van he does a lot of crowdfunding. Four artists working on this book at any time. And they'd give me a script, and it would be part two of five. And they'd, I'd say, well, is part one drawn? No, no, no. You, so you get to establish this thing that already happened in the first part. And, I don't, uh, you know, I didn't. Let me just give you some background on Ethan. Ethan Van Scriver has worked predominantly for DC Comics the last 14 years with memorable runs on various Green Lantern and The Flash titles. The last solicited interior work was for DC. Uh, is June 27th, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps uh, 47. Just to give you some background. Have anything to do with any of it. And it was, uh, you know, it was becoming a grind and I could feel myself coming down to the table in the morning uh, to draw and just saying, I got to just get the page done. You know, I got, and you know, Andrea comes down to look at me and she's like, you're not happy. Are you? I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not having fun. I'm not having fun right now. No. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm already doing sketches of Cyberfrog. I'm doing sketches of rainbow brute. Uh, I'm doing sketches of two other properties that I haven't even told you guys about yet. Uh, and I'm watching, um, Diversity in Comics, Richard C. Myers, Zach, uh, have a Jawbreakers campaign uh, that looks like so much fun and he's making so much money and he's interacting directly with the fans and he owns it. The fans are doing fan art. Uh, this is the future of comics. I this is so where too. I want to be. Zero pipeline. That's where it's um, going. Crowdfunded, uh, direct to consumer. From, I think from so. me, straight to you, comics. Because what's going on now, um, I'm easy to amuse. I'm easy to amuse, and I wasn't having fun. Um, so this is fun. Uh, this is going to be a, a big difference, a big change. I think you guys are going to dig it, and I think people are going to follow. And the truth is, I'm already hearing 
uh, from a lot of comic book pros that are saying, how, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? A new model. Uh, you know, everyone's paycheck is declining right now, uh, probably except for the very, very elite 1%, uh, half of 1%. Everyone's paycheck is declining. Uh, independent books are not selling. Uh, I don't know how these guys aren't homeless. I, I really don't understand. Oh, no, he did. Um, well, uh, you know. So he's saying that he's recognizing that it is difficult to do it on your own without, you know, name recognition of either you or the characters that you're working on. To come and talk to me about it. I uh, will continue to do this. I have you know, other stuff in the works that is going to change the way independent comics uh, are distributed, uh, change the way that fans get the comic books, uh, and change the way that creators are paid for comic books. Uh, that is what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing right now. So, uh, people that sounds who haven't read exciting. any of my DC books, go out, go get Green Lantern Rebirth, me and Jeff Johns. Go get Flash Rebirth, me and Jeff Johns. Go get, um, uh, Sinestro Core War, me, Jeff Johns, Ivan Rice, Pat Gleason. These are dynamite, exciting books. You can get them on uh, Amazon.com. Uh, you can get them from your local comic retailer. Uh, now is the time. If there's any back issues that you always wanted to buy, if you've got two cents to put together, now is the time to support your local comic book store and get there. Get to Midtown Comics. Get to Forbidden Comics. Uh, get to uh, the comic book cave. I know they changed their name, but um, get to these places. Um, we, we just had a major comic book store uh, close on St. Mark's Place in the village. It's like, what? How is this happening? So now is the time. Go get those comics for your kids, for your grandkids. Have it in your hands just in case, you know, Computers go down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just so wrong. I don't know if I'm going to air it. I'm sorry if I'm talking like Drew Barrymore. You can't see me, so you don't know. But anyway, these people are peeing in their pants to talk about Captain Marvel now that the review embargo is off. And I, I, it's not about the movie. These people are hilarious. No, Comic book fans are entertaining in their own right. This video for the removal of the review embargo on Captain Marvel. He's so happy. So oh my God, I'm getting joy vicariously. Give the film. Now, <clears throat> in general, my, uh, the way I look at reviews, you know, it's funny to meme on it, but, you know, it's usually somewhere between where the critics say the movie is and where the fans say the movie is. Oftentimes, there's movies that the critics might give a 60 or 70% to, but the fans give an 80 or 90, and I'll look at that and say, that's probably an okay movie. Uh, likewise, a lot of times, critics will give something 80, 90, 95%, and the fans will give it 50. I'm thinking probably a lot of woke points, going to probably skip oh, seeing no. that for $50 in the theater. Oh, no. Early reviews are in <clears throat> just based on 37 in, t in terms of Metacritic, and we're going to look at Captain Marvel which uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which has been uh, going down all day. I saw it this morning at 92. Last time I checked, it was at 87, which is probably a middle-of-the-road Marvel film, which is exactly what I thought it would be. But you see, The Verge giving it a 90, LA Times giving it a 90, Variety 90. No, of course. But let's look at, you know, IGN, Meg Downey gives it an 83. Rolling Stone, 80. Uh, the Telegraph, 80. Uh, a lot of 
real middling school scores. Chicago Tribune, 75. It's just an average film. Um, the Playlist giving a 67. Movie Nation, 63. The Associated Press giving it a 63. I spent over two hours with Captain Marvel Carol Danvers, and I still have no idea what her personality is. Sure, there's a lot more going on in Captain Marvel, but it's pretty egregious failing considering that the creative bigwigs at Marvel had 10 years and 20 films to work it out. Vox! Vox! The, one of the most far left reading outlets. I thought they would have given this 100%. I really did. Vox, 60. I was hoping for something higher, further, faster, and more. Uh, I mean, you've got Screen Crush, the, another review from The Guardian, Peter's Bradshaw giving a 60. I wanted a clear, more central story for Captain Marvel's emergence to the stage and subsequent films if she isn't simply to get lost in the ensemble mix. There should be more of Larson's own wit and style and indeed plausible mastery of martial arts. In any case, Captain Marvel's entertaining. Yeah, great. Martial arts. Translation, it's a fine uh, popcorn film. And I would say, really, any critic is probably inflating their scores by 10 to 15 points in general. Um, just like any real haters, probably de decreasing it. But you got to remember, these people are paid. These people have premium access. And they're still pretty pretty strongly roasting this film. I mean, The Guardian. Jeez, Washington Post, Ann Hornaday. 50! 50! As shaky and unfocused as Captain Marvel often seems, it manages to reach its destination with confidence. In the end, Larson sticks the landing, albeit with something more muted than absolute triumph. The final takeaway is clear. Uh, more movies ahead. Sucks. That's like, don't see it. The AV Club, coming out of The Onion, giving it a 50. It's comparatively short and fast-paced by modern standards. Unfortunately, it also has a lackluster plot bog standard chase scenes and pew pewing spaceships it's notable shortage of interesting characterizations and fight scene set to no doubts just a girl is nowhere as awesome as as silly as it should be slant magazine 50 indiewire 42 time magazine time magazine giving it a 40 a 40 out of 100 by the time i got to the end of captain marvel i heard a voice of my own inner superhero peggy lee Wish we were in my ear. Is that all there is? The most heinous supervillain of all is boredom. <laughs> the New York Post. The New York Post giving it a, six, a 38. What, what said to be uh, Marvel's most powerful superhero uh, ever is Sir. I'd love to see all these girl gamers in my
You did it, you did it, celebrate! 